Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. We spend so much time talking about breakups with significant others, cheating, finding our soulmates, etc. We're either heartbroken or the heartbreaker. But as we know, the best way to get over someone, besides getting under someone else, (laughs) no, I'm kidding, is to go out with your friends. Nothing solves heartbreak like happy hour and a best friend's sob fest. But who do you go to when you break up with a friend? And how do you know if it's time to make some friendship edits? I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast, and today we're talking about how to break up with a friend. Joining me on the podcast is Cosmopolitan.com's entertainment director, who is admittedly bad at friendship breakups, so really this podcast is mainly for her, Patty Greco. Hi. Hi, Patty. Thanks for having me here. Why are you bad at friend breakups? Okay, so I'm actually not bad at friend breakups necessarily. I actually just keep a very small group of friends. So you're so about I, to actually making friends. Exactly. <laughs> or I edit along the way. You edit along the way. So here's the thing, it's like most of my friends are very, very close friends. And there are other friends, but I don't mentally kind of think of them as people I'd have to break up with. Right. Because I don't They're really... very like outer circle. Exactly. Yeah. Um so I kind of just think of it a little bit differently, but I will say there are are times with even my close friends and if they're listening I'm sure they would acknowledge this as well where you think oh like are we like in a different place now should we not be friends anymore right and I think I feel like Patty we've like had this conversation about being like crotchety old ladies in our 30s all the time (laughs) but like I do feel like the and I feel like this is true even for non 30 something non crotchety people that it can be difficult when you just are suddenly in a different life stage from your friends that's exactly what kind of happens and I remember my like best friend um, Beth we went when we left for college we've been best friends since high school we left for college we came back in the summers and it was weird and uh, we just we responded to college differently and she like dyed her hair black and I don't know it doesn't matter (laughs) but we got through that and now um, again now we're still very close, but she's certainly entering a different life stage than I am. But as an adult, I feel more prepared to recognize that, okay, if we're not totally in sync or if conversations feel uncomfortable, like we're just going through a change. Our relationship is evolving. But I feel like because I'm older, I can recognize that. Right. Um, if somebody turned toxic or seemed like they didn't wish the best for me anymore, that is when I would have to break up with them. But I've just never let 
somebody get to the point of being such a good friend with me if I if felt they, like were, they were like secretly terrible but tell me this is like so dark but tell me if you can relate to this at all I feel like I have my joke I have this joke with my friends about like sometimes like in your adult life where you like go to a wedding and you're just like that's gonna be the last time I ever see that person yes. yeah. <laughs> like it's like that kind of like hanger on high school friend or something where you like haven't really been in and that's not really like a friend breakup that really is just like falling out of touch with people but right. I feel like there could be something about the wedding is being like a last friendship hurrah I know that's dark no it is but it's true and again it's sort of weird doing this because you're scared on the off chance that somebody is listening but I have a friend where her wedding was really the last time I did ever see her and it was the most bizarre thing and I didn't quite have the thought that you're expressing while I was at the wedding right Um, this is our last yeah but it it wound up being true yeah Amy if you're listening I would still be friends with you because I don't break (laughs) up with anybody Um, but yeah and then she checked texted me recently to tell me she was pregnant and that we were going to get together and we still have it and so it's just like are we just going to touch base like right for every thing like am i gonna be like in 20 years amy i got divorced let's get together and then never talk <laughs> and then never do it wait not and not to put you in the spot with this specific scenario but do you feel like that was a real she wanted to get together or do you think it was the obligatory like let's do brunch we need to catch up I think like remember the Aiden and Carrie moment. He's like, we should get coffee or something, and she's like, we would never get coffee. Yeah, we both knew he never would. Yeah, so sad. I think it was a we both knew he never would. I I know on my end, I would have upheld the bargain, but um, one of the reasons I think we aren't close anymore is that she's in Connecticut. She's married. She has a dog. She has a baby. She's very family oriented, and that's great. But when do you? Life is so busy. When do you find time to get together? Uh, the person that has to be very important to interrupt your very busy schedule. Right. So um, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and again, if she's listening, I just want to like stress. I'm not trying to like be mean about her. Uh, but no, I, it's I, just, I, I don't. It, yeah, it's the example of like a kind of way in this case, very like friendly and no hard feelings, but the way things can right. kind of fall by the wayside. I want to go back to that Sex in the City moment for yeah. one second because like we can't have an episode of the podcast without talking about Sex in the City in great detail. But that specific scene between Aiden and Carrie, I remember the first time I saw that when I was a teenager and I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Like that didn't make sense to me that you would say like we should get coffee or whatever he says and like not mean it like it was just a little over my head and for some reason like I think because that was back still in the day where I really wanted Carrie and Aiden to end up together okay right but now as an adult first of all I'm like big all the way thank you (laughs) but yeah like now I'm like oh no that's just like life is like making a a fake um invitation to have coffee with people I know and I kind of when I catch myself doing it I'm just like oh you fool you (laughs) cliche you monster but we all do it yeah I have um, a friend that has talked about somebody she knows who does the opposite where she'll be like oh yeah we should get coffee or like oh yeah we should try that place and it's like the next day there's like an email that's like this time and this time and this time she really schedules it out yeah yeah and it's like no I just was being nice that was a little aggressive but uh of the person who sends the emails right I don't know maybe Maybe that's something worth trying. Like, um, I might like actually after through. this. Yeah. Yeah. Either actually following through or resisting the urge to say, let's do X. Right. I think also it happens with, like, in professional circles. Like, uh, a lot of times 
you have work friends and oh, I'm, my little heart's breaking because we are work friends and like I'm not suggesting we never be friends if we don't work together anymore. Right. But yeah, it is sad. It's like you have your work friends and then you want to catch up and it's like that weird line where you're like, oh, am I making a professional drinks or like right. are we going to like get drinks drinks and really like chat about life? Right. Like, like are you a happening? Friday night friend or is this like this only made sense when it's Mm -hmm. like a leaving the office happy hour yeah so confusing and you know what i'm thinking about as we're talking about this is ironically as friend breakups and friendships have gotten sort of like more tricky to navigate i feel like the actual opposite is happening with romantic relationships and that people just like ghost everybody like Mm -hmm. no one even makes an excuse with a guy anymore or feels like they need a reason to like eject from that narrative Mm -hmm. you just like never talk to them again yeah i'm trying to think if i've done that to somebody recently just like totally ghosted i don't think i've done i don't think i've done that because i'm too desperate for people like to like me yeah (laughs) that's so real (laughs) i wouldn't i would not want them going around and being like yeah patty's a bitch I mean, I, I am, but I want them to really know it. I want them to really know me, like the. You're the not real like me. a surface level bitch. Yeah, no. Yeah, like only once you get to know you. I'm just kidding. You're not a bitch at all. Oh, this no, is not I am, my secret way of friend breaking up with you. What if that was like a plan on the podcast? Like I brought you here to break up with you. Just kidding. I love you, Batty. Okay. Um, so I want to take a second to um, stop talking about how much I love Patty, even though it's so true, and talk about something else I love to talk about on the podcast, which is that. If you're like me, the shelf space in your bathroom is super precious real estate. That's why I'm excited to introduce you to a line of beauty products that's as great at multitasking as you are. Kapari. I should actually, I should actually add, I am terrible at multitasking, but you get the point. So these are products that moisturize skin and hair and smell great, but without any sulfites or silicones or GMOs or parabens or other icky stuff. Instead, Kapari products are made with 100% organic coconut oil. I've tried all the products at this point, and I feel like every time I talk about Kapari, I obsess over a different one. Um, I'm really into the coconut crush scrub at the moment. Um, They like to say that it buffs you beautiful. I like to say I have like super dry, flaky, like dead skin, and it really makes me feel like I'm like a whole new me. Um, that feeling like when you have like your skin all like I don't know buff I guess that's the word I'm looking for Um, so that's when I really like they also have a really great coconut sheer oil which I was talking about before that has been my go-to product for like everything and like my lips are dry my skin is icky my hair whatever 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 Um, and part of the reason the Kapari products are so great is because they're really promising to give you the highest quality 100% organic coconut oil they searched around the world to find the best possible stuff It smells really, really good. It has a wonderful non-gritty texture, and you can seriously use it head to toe. I'm like living proof of that. Living proof of that. If you guys want to try it out for yourself, go to kaparibeauty.com slash Cosmo to get 20% off your order. Kapari is K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash Cosmo for 20% off. Our next guest is a New York Times bestselling author whose new book, The Universe Has Your Back, is in stores today. She's also in the middle of a friendship breakup. Please welcome Gabrielle Bernstein. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, guys. How are you? Great. I actually was just at Fun Fearless Money this weekend, and I saw you there, like, moving the entire audience to tears, as usual. Oh, I love that event. It was so good. I know. You're such a star of it. Um, So you know today we're not talking about money. We are talking about friendship breakups, probably the most awkward thing to talk about (laughs) 
with your friends <laughs> besides money. Um, so jumping right in, you are going through a friend breakup now or you've been through one. Is that true? Yeah, when you guys reached out to my PR about this and we were talking and they said, do you want to talk about friend breakups? I was like, oh, this is way too familiar for me. Um, it's definitely something I've been going through in the last two and a half months. And it's very, very, very sad. And uh, I've got a lot to say about the topic. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? I didn't realize this was so recent. Yeah, it's like it's 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 happening. Yeah, it's in, I'm in the middle of it. Um, you know, to, you know, to not get into the details, uh, we had different different views on how we were living our lives. And I told her the truth about how I felt. And sometimes people don't want to hear the truth, you know. And did you tell and, her the, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, did no, you tell it. her the truth in the way that you were trying to say, like, I want to work past this with you as a friend? Or were you telling her the truth, like, I'm piecing out of this situation? Yeah, I actually told her the truth from a place of a lot of anger and judgment. So that was kind of my part in this, you know? Yeah. Um, it wasn't like here. But I also was so hurt and upset by it that I didn't really think that it was, I, I wasn't in a fixable place, you know, when yeah. I told her the truth. Um, and also her reaction didn't make it any easier because my, me telling her my truth, you know, triggered her to react in a very negative defensive way. So ultimately that, that was kind of the demise of, of the relationship because there was no going back in a, in a sense. And someone that was like one of my best friends. Right. And first of all, I can imagine, I I can't even imagine how difficult this, this would be and how painful it would be to go through that. I'm curious about one thing we were just talking about before we jumped on the phone with you is how in a dating context, how popular ghosting has become and the idea of people ending relationships without ever acknowledging them at them at all. Why did you feel like with this friend that you needed to specifically confront her versus just sort of, you know, walking away or taking the breather from a friendship from the friendship? You know, it was for me, there was a lot up for me around speaking my truth and taking care of myself. And owning what my needs were and, and making sure that I was voicing my my concerns. And so there, I really came to a place where I really had no choice but to tell the truth. I had to I had to speak up. I had to tell the truth. And I had to honor what was coming up for me. Right. And, you know, so I, there was no opportunity to ghost. <laughs> right, right, right. You felt like you really had to get this off your chest. Yeah, yeah, I really did. And so what were some of the indications for you that this person had become a toxic friend? That we weren't being honest with each other. Yeah. You know, that, you know if, if you can't be honest with somebody, that's not a true friendship. And, uh, you know, if it's a friendship based on, on lies or, or like, you know, hush, hush, that's not, that's not truth. Right. And at this point in my life, I have so many deep, clean, healthy relationships that I, you know, in looking at them in comparison to the situation, it just felt so disconnected. Right. So I had to really get honest. Right. I think that there, you know, I think it can be a hard thing for a lot of women to sort of recognize when a friendship, you know, because we all have, th- we all have eye rolling moments with our friends or things that are annoying. And I think sometimes it can be hard to recognize when something is not just like the friend can, that can be a little annoying because she talks too much or because she flakes on plans versus somebody that is actually really like bringing you down. Do you have any advice for readers on how, you know, maybe based on your experience, how to sort of recognize the difference between someone who's just kind of being annoying versus somebody that's actually toxic? Yeah, you know, I think that 
if your energy is being affected by the other person, not just like your mood, but your energy. Like if you feel that you are weaker, if you feel that you are um, depressed or sad or 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 in in some way um, like not living in your truth as a result of the friendship, then that's a sign that there's toxicity. Whereas if you're just annoyed and frustrated, right. it's likely just, you know, sometimes that annoyance is a reflection back to you of what you need to work on on yourself, right? Right, right. So sometimes the things that we want to judge in others are reflecting back to us what we need to heal. So that's something else to consider because our friends can be the greatest mirror reflection of what it is that we have to clean up. Right. So one other thing, you know, sort of comparing this idea of a friend breakup to the kind of breakup we're used to talking about is that if you tell someone like I broke up with my partner, I broke up with my boyfriend, you know, people understand that and people know that that can be hard for you and that that can be a signal that you're going through a hard time. But I feel like it's different with a friend breakup because there's sort of no public understanding of what that means and how hurtful it can be how are you you know this is happening to you right now like how are you getting over it and do you feel like it's hard to sort of get the support you need from other people in your circle well I think you're right I mean not a lot of people have been through this so there's not a lot of point of reference um and ultimately you know what I've done is I've just spent a lot of time in close connection with my dear 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 friends that I know love me and support me no matter what and being with them has just reminded me of the types of friendships that I really want to have. Right. And has, that's been very, very helpful for me in just healing the past and healing the situation. Right. A lot of... Oh, Patty, are you... Oh, I was in? just wondering if you had mutual friends. You know, most of our mutual friends were my friends. So, you know, I inherited them in the breakup because they were my friends. Right. Um, we have one very close mutual friend, and she's sort of been struggling about this truth piece as well. And she's definitely been kind of caught in the middle of a lot of it. And, um, you know, that's, it's gotten to the point now where the one friend has asked my mutual friend not to, not to share anything about me with her. Wow. <laughs> so it's gotten to that point. So something we write about at Cosmo basically on a daily basis is how women always date really toxic men in their 20s. And like, you know, there are a lot of toxic men out there in the world. Do you think that's true? You know, I think you have kind of you're going through this now personally, but I think you have a holistic perspective on this. Do you think that's do you think most women need to sort of reassess their friend groups or, you know, is it common basically to have these sort of toxic where you are in your life? Yeah, it's like I think that if you're in a stage in your life where you're feeling like you're not in alignment with the truth of who you are, then you're going to be attracting people to you that are not aligned with who you want to be around. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think we attract towards us what we're like. And so, uh, you know, this friend that I've lost, you know, it's deeply devastating because she's one of my closest friends. I absolutely love her, love her, love her. And there's just this one piece this one area that I couldn't get behind. Right. Right. And so, you know, she's not a bad reflection of me. She's a beautiful reflection of me because she's a wonderful, amazing person. But this one situation wasn't working for me, you know? Right. Um, so I think in the, other, in the other sense, like, if you're attracting toxic people into your life, the opportunity to look at the toxicity that you may be holding on to in your own beliefs about yourself. And right. if you've got great friends, knowing that that's a reflection of how great you are at this stage in your life. Um, this isn't a chance to judge yourself, but just to look more closely at what you're thinking and doing and being. 
And Gabby, I have been lucky enough to hear you speak several times, so I'm really familiar with your message and like have been so moved by your journey about finding your truth. But for people who are less familiar, do you have like a one sentence sort of way of explaining that to people that aren't totally sure, you know, what that really means to be, you know, introspective in that way? Um, well, this is not a plug for my book, but I wrote a 53,000 word book on the topic. Yes. <laughs> How to be more connected. Um, and so, you know, to, to, that you can obviously begin that journey. And I think that, you know, the, the one line is to have the willingness to be in your truth, right? Mm-hmm. So if you start to become willing to see the world from a more truthful lens and to be more connected and to feel more aligned, then that willingness will guide you to the books or the teachers or the, or the, or the articles in, in, you know, in the magazine that, that you need to heal yourself. And so just start getting committed to that willingness and trust that the guidance that you need will begin to unfold in front of you. Um, but, but, but really, I do, I do recommend this book for anyone that's going through any kind of grieving or healing or, or wanting to feel more certain or wanting to feel more connected in general, because it's a whole book on releasing the doubt and limitation and judgment and fear and returning to a place of, of faith and love and, and connection. And sorry, this is your book that this is the universe has your back. Or you're talking about That's your right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is there anything else that you want readers to know about it before you have to go? You know, this is a very, very timely book, guys. Like we are being alive in these times. We're, we're suffering. You know, we're, we turn on the news every day, and there's something horrible going on, and it's very fear-driven and with you know, social media and, and, and all the things that we have going on, there's a lot of separation and judgment and attack. And this book re- brings us back to what's real. It brings us back to our oneness. It reminds us that we can have a sense of safety in the midst of uncertainty. And it helps you establish a spiritual connection of your own understanding. And in that connection, you can feel like you have more power. And so I feel like there's no, I've never had a book that's been so timely. Um, you know, I can get on the news this morning and talk about the election and have it be related to the book, you know, right. and it's just such a timely piece of work. And so I'm really glad that it's coming out right now. Great. Well, thank you so much, Gabby. It's always such a pleasure. We love working with you at Cosmo. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. I hope thank everybody you. gets through their friend breakups okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, good luck to you, it Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Our next guest is a YouTuber, comedian, actress, and one of the stars of Dirty 30, which is out digitally everywhere. Please welcome Grace Helbig. Hi, Grace. Hi. How are you doing? You're like right in the midst of promoting everything, right? Yeah, it's. I'm doing very well. My brain is um, it's transformed into mashed potatoes, but I'm doing well. <laughs> My brain is always mashed potatoes, so I feel you. It's a, it's a delicious <laughs> meal. Right, exactly. D- delicious meal, great brain. So we're yeah. talking about, today in the podcast, we're talking about toxic friendships. So let's jump mm. right in. Do you think yeah. that there's a point later in your own life when you became a little choosier about the people you let in? Yeah, I think um, I, I wrote about this in the first book that I, I wrote called Grace's Guide about how after I graduated college, I was so kind of lost and confused about making adult friends. I just sort of assumed that the friends you made in college and high school were just your friends for life then, and that's what happens, and that's it. And I was living in New York doing comedy and started to get to know a lot of you know new people in the comedy community, 
and really started to see um, people that I had more in common with than the people that I was, you know, necessarily still friends with from high school and college and really started to find the value in surrounding myself with people that had, you know, a similar sense of humor, a similar like drive for creating content and that sort of thing and learned as an adult that you are the company you keep and that it is really valuable to surround yourself with people that inspire you and also support you. Um, And that was kind of a a very huge adult lesson for me to learn. Yeah, I think I think everything you're saying is so real. And I think there's so much pressure, especially on your college friends, because it's this idea of like the best four years of your life. And even, right. you know, a lot of people talk about their college reunions and there's sort of this framework for like, these are the most special friendships or like, you know, college isn't to find your husband, it's to find your bridesmaids. Right. Is and that it's, a saying? I mean, and it's a saying. <laughs> that is a saying. <laughs> that is a cross-stitch on, a on Pinterest. Exactly. Exactly. Missed it. The, but, um, I know. it's And it's hard because for some people that might be the case and that works for them. But I think I'm kind of like this late bloomer in life in general. And so I feel like it for me, the philosophy that works is like, continuous growth over time and if I were to look back and say like my high school years were the best years of my life I think I'd be really really sad right now as an adult uh, or college and so it's been my friendships as an adult are so much more rich and meaningful to me than um, the ones that you know I was sort of like forcing to happen in high school in that in that kind of scenario right and I think I think really that's honest too though I mean to hear you describe yourself as a late bloomer I think in some ways a lot of people would relate to that feeling like totally you become actually way more self-aware and way more of your own person actually like post-college when you're just like you know drunk all the time and whatever <laughs> right but also, there's, there's so much value in understanding like the I I'm definitely one of those people that I, I try to you know, put other people, I tend to put other people ahead of myself in terms of like care and need and support and that sort of thing. And as an adult, you learn that it's not selfish to want to be around people that really support you. And that was so important for me to realize because I had a few friends that, you know, I was definitely doing more for them than they were doing for me. And it's, it, you know, it's kind of reflective of like a romantic relationship you want to have like mutual support in that system if you're ever feeling unbalanced in the terms of like I'm doing so much more for this person than they're doing for me what am I getting out of this scenario that's how you should think about friendships too I think that's such a good point because there's this like weird pressure on like being a good friend but you don't talk so much about the flip side of that is like well is this like selfish POS doing anything for you Right. And also, I'm very, like, I'm very kind of private and shy. So it's been important for me. Like, I don't talk about my feelings with my friends, like, so openly. I don't voluntarily, like, you know, submit that information. And so making friends that can tell when there's something going on with me and they need to kind of, like, pry the information out of me has been so important to be like, oh, okay, I'm having these adult conversations with friends that support me because they know that something's wrong and they're not going to ignore it or like by bypass it with like their own stuff that's going on. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like, you know, and I think everything again that you said about your high school and college friends is so relatable. And it sounds like in some ways those friendships sort of faded away a little bit. Have you ever had to specifically like break up with someone sort of specifically like, you know, shut I it haven't, down? I mean, I haven't had, and I was thinking about this earlier, I haven't had a very 
specific instance of like breaking up with a friend. I have had, you know, a period of time in which we grew apart from each other and it was important for me to learn like, oh, you know, surround yourself with people that value you and support all the stuff that you're trying to do in your life. And, you know, we've since like kind of come back together later on. Um, I think communication is so huge in life in general. And so being able to communicate to friends, if you realize that you're in a toxic friendship that like, you know, they're taking advantage of you or they're making you a, not a better version of yourself than being able to have that weird breakup. It sucks so hard, but in the end it's, you know, there is a silver lining of like, this is a well-intentioned moment of us both trying to grow. Um, so thankfully I haven't had like the very severe direct breakup with a friend, but I have had the, I'm going to keep some distance for a little bit and then come back around and talk through things. Right. And do you feel like being a famous person has made friendships more complicated or do you think it sort of made it easier to know who your true friends are? Um, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird to hear the, the word famous person also like a, that I don't register that, which is still strange. Um, but I think it's because I surround myself with friends that also don't register that and are just, you know, considering themselves humans in the world existing, trying to like, you know, make funny things happen in whatever capacity they can. It's also very interesting because doing stuff online you have a very intimate relationship with the audience. You feel like your friends. They know everything about me, things that I don't even remember about myself. And so it's you're way more accessible in terms of, like, friendship in that capacity. Um, but I've been really, really grateful for my friendship with, like, Mamrie Hart and Hannah Hart, who are two other content creators in, in this new movie with me, because we very organically all became friends just at a convention um, a YouTube convention having a Bloody Mary by a pool. And we just all sort of like got along really well and then just started hanging out. And it was very natural and unforced. And I think we all sort of keep each other in check, which is important um, in friendships. Is You know, you want people that support you, but that you can also take constructive criticism from and people that you trust the opinions of and value the opinions of. Um, and also, I'm I'm... I'm bad at like responding to emails in my inbox. So having like Same a ton way. of friends yeah. has never happened for me. Yeah. So having like a few very valuable friends is so much more important than like having, you know, 30 million friends that I can call up at any moment. Yeah. And I, I'm totally with you on the email and also with just the sort of like smaller circle. I also think, yeah. you know, in some ways, you know, Dirty 30 and getting to work with your friends to put together this movie is sort of the friendship fantasy. But, you mm -hmm. know, you also have heard from anybody that has ever started a business with a friend that sort of failed or led to the demise of the friendship. You know, there can also be some caution against that. Did you guys have to set any boundaries or sort of, you know, were there sort of moments yeah. where you felt like it was tough to, to work together? We don't share hotel rooms anymore. <laughs> we learned <laughs> that we need space when we're on the road, which is a very valuable lesson because, yeah, there is that friend fantasy of, like, we're best friends and we travel everywhere together and we stay in the same room. Right, but like sleepover. Point, you need some space, and that was a really important lesson to learn. I think over time we've learned how to communicate with each other when there's an issue or something is bothering someone. We've also learned when to give each other space which is so important in friendships to be able to manage your own expectations of me needing space isn't me 
saying that there's an issue in our relationship. It's just a normal human, like, moment of needing some time apart sort of thing. Um, and so Mamrie and I are also, like, much sloppier than Hannah. <laughs> and so learning that Hannah couldn't deal with that uh, <laughs> and having <laughs> Hannah also respect that that's just naturally how Mamrie and I are was uh, an important thing in our friendship. <laughs> so Coming to just, terms with being a dirty slob. <laughs> yeah. I remember Mamrie and I used to share hotel rooms all the time and Hannah would always get a, a separate room and she walked into the room with Mamrie and I one time and just like audibly gasped at how gross <laughs> she thought it was, which was so funny to me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so, you know, I think a big thing that everyone kind of knows in the YouTube community and all of you YouTube stars have talked about so much is that one of the biggest ways to grow your audience is to do collaboration videos. You know, mm-hmm. have you had experiences of people sort of trying to, like, leech on to you for your followers? Have you gotten really good at sort of knowing when someone is just, like, clinging to you because you have millions and millions of fans? Or is that still something that can be tricky? I, it's it's weird because, you know, I'm one of those people that I think I try to see the best in everyone. And so I try to believe that everything is well-intentioned. And so sometimes that's, you know, not the greatest way to be because it, some people, you know, might not have the best of intentions. But I also appreciate this, like, accidental career that's happened for me online because it started purely based on a a bunch of people just really enjoying making internet videos with no, you know, idea of making money off of them. And then it becomes this like community where people are supporting each other in all of their endeavors. And so to me, I still respect that kind of philosophy of how this whole community was founded of just like pure support because I was auditioning for TV and film and commercials for years and years before YouTube became my primary focus. And that's such a competitive environment. And there's people that you're literally sitting in the waiting room with saying, it's either me or you that gets this job. And it's so unsupportive in that way. And so YouTube was such a refreshing, wonderful, like new environment of, oh, we can all promote each other's channels and like be in each other's videos. And this is good for all of us. It's amazing. And so you you do want, you don't want to be naive. You want to understand that, you know, some people will take advantage. But I think I've, like I said, I've been really lucky to have a great group of people around me. And I've, like, kind of developed, like, my sort of, like, silent checklist of the people that I want to work with, like, the types of people that I want to work with. And um, and so that's, that's helpful. Um, yeah. But it is, you know. It's always one of those things where you, you never know, but you hope for the best. For sure. Do you have an opinion on the word squad? <laughs> Very controversial. Squad. Um, I've, the internet loves that word. <laughs> they love uh, it. <laughs> every, any, like, internet jargon, I'm just so bad at. And so, to me, it's never serious. It's just, like, the dumbest, like, bay and squad and right. goals and mom and all of those things. <laughs> is just so dumb to me that I think it's funny. (laughs) You think it's funny. Okay, that's great. Well, where, um, Grace, is there anything else you want to tell us about Dirty 30? And definitely tell us, like, the best place to check it out. Oh, Dirty 30 is an amazing film. I'll tell you guys that. It's a really, really fun house party film for a 30-year-old girl. um, Well, a woman that's turning 30 and her life isn't in the best place. It's not what she thought it was going to be. So she sort of reluctantly lets her two best friends throw her this 
party for her birthday and it turns into this like raging house party and things get out of control but everything you know kind of happens for a reason and comes back around at the end it's very can't hardly wait for a 30 year old and uh i love it everyone in it is fantastic you can download it on itunes right now or you can go to dirty30movie.com and get some of the packages that we have that have some merch and then tomorrow or the 27th of september it's available in dvd form in target Yay! So basically, awesome. basically, you—it's everywhere you are. Target and the yeah. internet. <laughs> you have so many choices. Yeah, it's so convenient for you to get this movie. Why not? <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Grace. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks so much. Yeah, and congrats on the movie. Thank you. All right, talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. When Keen Winter walks into Willa Davis's pet shop with his great aunt's feline from hell, he's sure that the drop-dead gorgeous pet store owner he's never seen before is mad at him. She's sure that he needs a kitty sitter, but the last thing Willa needs is to rescue a guy who doesn't even remember her. If she has her way, he'll get nothing but coal in his stocking, unless he tempers naughty with a special kind of nice. The Trouble with Mistletoe, a Heartbreaker Bay novel from New York Times bestselling author Jill Shalvis is available wherever books are sold. And now a passage from The Trouble with Mistletoe. You want to come upstairs, Willa? What she wanted was to put her hands back on his chest now that she knew it was hard as it looked. Instead, she gripped either side of her seat with white knuckles. Of course not. I think you do. I think you want something else, too. What I want, she said as coolly as she could, is dinner as promised. Liar, he chided softly. Well, that's just rude, calling your date a liar. So it is a date. His tone was very male and very smug. It should have pissed her off, but instead it did something hot and erotic to her insides. Clearly knowing it, he smiled at her and then dragged his teeth over his lower lip as he contemplated her. Guys, that was just for you, an excerpt from The Trouble with Mistletoe, a heartbreaker Bay novel from New York Times bestselling author Jill Shalvis, available wherever books are sold. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. So, Patty, what have you learned about friend breakups in the last however long this was, 30 minutes? I think it was really interesting what Grace said about friendship breakups or friendships being like any other romantic relationship. And so we talk a lot about deal breakers around romantic relationships and red flags, but maybe we don't talk enough about that around friendships. Like thinking before you decide to make friends with somebody, like are they actually – fitting the profile of somebody who would be a good friend. Right. I had, um for some reason, I wasn't even thinking about this until after we, like, did this entire episode, but I sort of did have a friend breakup back in the day, and a weird thing sort of comparing it to that idea of really romantic relationships is that I felt like my friends just sort of... It was the way if it had been a breakup with a guy and I had been, like, he did this and this and this, people would have been like, that jerk, I can't believe it. But in the context of a friend that was sort of embedded in our friend group, I think people were a little just like, okay. They just, like, were, like, not a big deal. Yeah, and I didn't sort of get that, like, that immediate, like, we have your back if you've been wronged by a guy. It was much trickier when it was somebody that was... Right. It's like the bar is higher... Uh, 
or the tolerance is much lower for uh, somebody to treat you like an asshole. Right. When you're supposed to be romantically involved, but friends can treat you like an asshole or treat, yeah, just be assholes to you. And it's like, meh, all right, well, you'll get through it. Right. But isn't it kind of like family? It's like, obviously, your family can be uh, shitty, too. And no one's going to be like, time to break up with your family. I feel like friends are more chosen in a way than, right. I don't know. Right, right, right. No, that makes sense. It is like a... Like yeah, they're your people. Once you make them your people, right? Exactly, they're your squad. Uh, <laughs> you hate the word squad. I don't. I mean, it's just it's again. It's like I feel like my friends are really my friends, and so squad just feels like people I just like take Instagram pictures with, which I also don't do. But anyway, right? But if you did, yeah, <laughs> yeah there is something a little bit like faux about it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, well, Patty, thank you so much for. I don't know. Why I just like snuck in that passive aggressive. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm, you're your so opinion, toxic. I guess. I'm you're so, so toxic. toxic. I don't know. That was like so inappropriate. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> don't friend break up with me. Um, but Patty, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you guys, as always, for listening to Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. You can find us here every week. Please tweet me at Elisa Benson if you, or like Insta, Snapchat, whatevs. That's my handle everywhere. If you have ideas of things that you want us to talk about on a future episode. And as always, please subscribe and like it and share it and do all those podcasty things. And I will see you guys next week. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.